The back of his right hand fit perfectly over the circle of bright light that beamed down from the sky, but it was not quite enough to clear his field of vision. The rays of sunshine that refracted through the safety glass of his windshield, not to mention the glare from the hood, slid through his fingers like grains of sand scooped from a temperate beach. The light crept into every crevice of the Lexus, unstoppable, creating a brilliant wall of blankness against the windshield that shut out every color, except for white, and maybe a little bit of black. Along the periphery of the blankness, he thought he could discern the silhouette of a disembodied hand reaching out to him from somewhere within the light, stretching from the ether like so many long-dead relatives along the walls of that tunnel that those freaks on the History Channel always report they've seen while in the throes of a near-death experience. However, this shape neither welcomed him onward nor motioned him away, as said relatives do in said experiences. This shape appeared to be frantically flagging him down. Then the voluminous branches of a southern yellow pine obscured the overbright seven o'clock sun, dispersing the glare off the hood of his Lexus and breaking the spell. Before him, in sudden crystal focus, stood a row of startled children, frozen in the crosswalk, their eyes wide. His own eyes, heretofore squinted against the blinding sun, thrust wide open in a perfect reflection of their own. His elbows locked, embedding the unforgiving hardness of the steering wheel in his palms and submerging his shoulders into the back padding of the driver's seat, his teeth clamped down on his tongue. He thought he tasted blood. From somewhere outside, he heard the shrill reverberation of a police whistle. Stop. Need to stop. The big toe of his right foot snagged the backside of the brake pedal. He held his breath and forced the trapped foot to the floorboard, sliding it toward him. It came free. He stomped on the brake. The front end of the Lexus shifted to the left. He fought the urge to jerk the steering wheel to the right, to overcorrect, as they called it in all those police blotter reports he used to compile back in his cub reporter days. The bald left front tire of his Lexus screeched in protest, then jerked to a halt a little more than ten inches from the solid white line that marked the edge of the crosswalk in front of Octavia Academy's middle school campus. Suddenly, the entire world seemed to have frozen in place. His pounding heart dropped from his temples and landed in his throat. He rested his forehead on the back of his right hand, which maintained its death grip on the steering wheel, and quietly thanked God that his reflexes were still strong. A shudder ran through him, beginning at the back of his neck, working its way through his shoulders and down to his hips. He was careful to not allow it to interfere with his right foot's crushing hold on the brake pedal. When he was finally able to lift his head and look through the glass, the first thing he noticed was the triangular yellow sign adorned with the featureless black image of a walking child. Its sharp metallic edges glinted accusatorily at him in the brightness of the day. He next became aware of the four children ahead of him. They stood stock still, staring not at him but at some point below him, presumably the front bumper of the Lexus, that part of the car that had nearly taken them off at the knees. Three of the youths were girls in plaid skirts, each with an identically stricken expression on her face and her hands clasped at the neckline of her blouse. The fourth was a boy, who looked perhaps a year or two older than the girls. He had wrapped his lengthy rail arms around their shoulders. His caved chest and his grip on the biceps of the two girls at his sides made him look like a mother bird using her wingspan to shield her young. The eyes of the man behind the wheel met the boys for an instant. There was a shiny blankness to them, 
like beady crow's eyes. Fitting, he supposed, for a mother bird. Then the youth slowly released the girls and stood erect, relief washing over his face. The crossing guard blew two short tweets on her whistle and waved the children across. Each immediately turned his and her attention to the task and bounded the remainder of the distance across the street. The expressions on their faces betrayed no sense of urgency, nor any lingering awareness of having only barely eluded their own untimely deaths at his hands. They really were like birds, he thought, or squirrels, or deer, or some other form of life unfettered enough by the false march of the clock of human existence to be able to live entirely in the moment. One second they're in fear for their lives, and the next they're bouncing around playfully as if nothing had happened. He felt a twinge of envy for this blithesome little time of their lives.